getting down to the end. We have this one in next week. But we're in verse 9 with the Beatitudes. The Lord had been up on the mountain and multitudes were following him and as well as the disciples. And he come down, seemed like halfway on the mountain and uh, begins to preach to them. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all recorded about the words he said and uh, very powerful words, inspired words. But it was interesting to note that when he began addressing the multitude of people and his own disciples, he began with the word blessed, which means to be extremely happy, an eternal happiness, something that continues on with you. And uh, the first four really kind of linked to salvation, being poor in spirit, being bankrupt spiritually, and that causing you to mourn. And when you're saved, it creates a meekness in you. And when you're saved, in verse 6, you're going to hunger and thirst after God and His righteousness. And then that produces some things. It's going to produce mercy in our lives. We can say, it's only by the grace of God I am what I am. And, and I was right there where they're at. And mercy. And then there's a desire to be pure. And then today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. A peacemaker. If ever our world needed peace, it needs it today. There's ongoing war in Syria. It's been going on for a long time. We don't even remember that. We hear about Ukraine every day. Killings are taking place on our streets in America, throughout the world. There's a lack of peace in our cities and in our country, in our homes, in our workplace. Back in 1945, after World War II, United Nations had this motto put on the side of the building, to have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. If there's not a one of us here that's lived to, to past 20, and maybe even past five, uh, that in their lifetime there hasn't been a war uh, going on someplace. Someone said peace is but a glorious moment in history when everybody stops to reload. But not only is there war among nations with military might. There's just a lack of peace in lives today. Uh, there's just troubled people. Sometimes I go to town and I want to be morbid. I just look at the faces of people and there's not much happiness in this world. There's a lot of unsettledness. And uh, 
the cry is peace, peace, when they can't find peace. And here the Lord comes along and he says, blessed or extremely happy are the peacemakers. And so we're challenged to be involved in bringing peace in this world. And so we need to understand exactly what the problem is. And I think when we, that's pretty evident and easy. The source of the problem of no peace among nations and no peace among people is simply sin. <clears throat> Romans says, because the carnal mind is at enmity with, against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, that there's no peace because of that. The Old Testament says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against the anointing, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away the cords from us. James says, adulterers and, uh, adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever there shall be a friend of the world is an en enemy of God. And so what we're going to find is that there's no peace on a, on a man-to-man -man level. And there's no peace which really causes it all between God and man. And so we're called to step in there and try to bring peace. Man's described as being foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, less than pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. The conflicts that are going on today in Gaza and Ukraine is a result of man's fallen nature. It's not going to change. Even if military intervention comes and, and, and influenced by other nations and Ukraine and Russia have a peace treaty, it will not bring permanent peace. Because uh, a sinful man is... Uh, not peaceful. Isaiah said, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And so Seth and Chris both were raised on the coast or had some dealings with the coast of Oregon. And sometimes you go down there and the waves come in. It's really nice. But when a storm comes in, Man, it, it, it cast up mire and dirt, and there's foam along the edge of the ocean. And I've only one time in my life have I been on, near the ocean when there was a storm coming in. And it's just up and down, and, you know, it's just a tremendous power, tremendous chaos, tremendous upheaval. And the Lord used that to describe mankind.
They're not at peace. Why are you so grumpy? You know, well, he's not at peace. And, and the reasons go to the spiritual man. Romans says, the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And so, the problem of no peace is not that there's not better guns. It's not racial. People want to make it racial. It's not economical. If we'll just put them in a bit better economical status, there'll be peace. It's not sociological, how that we need to become woke and realize that we've depressed certain groups forever and we need to take money and and pay them back for them ever being taken out of Africa as far as the black man. But no black man wants to go back to Africa. And it's just, uh, they just, all you know, they can't be acting this way except some outside force. It's not environmental, but it's spiritual. And so because it's spiritual, Congress is not going to bring peace. It's not brought by legislation. Because it's spiritual, the psychiatrist is not going to bring peace. Because it has to deal with the soul of man. And in fact, when we talk about mental illness in psychiatry, you have to ask, the, where is the mental illness part in my body? You know, I know if I've had a brain, brain damage or somehow and I think wrong or somehow I've had a disease and it's affected me and my thinking, well, that's physical. But as Jay Adams makes the point, what is mental illness? Well, there's something wrong with the soul. And you have to bring peace through the soul. And so peace can only come through spiritual change. Until we find peace with God, we're going to be at war with God. And that war with God is also going to flow over to war with men. There's a man in Colombia who was working among an Indian group translating the Bible. And he couldn't find a good word for peace. He, he searched and he'd listen to what people say. And, and one day, Fernando, the village chief, chief was promised to have a, a plane ride to a location which it would take 20 minutes. And if he didn't get a plane ride, it'd take him three days of walking to get there. And the plane was de delayed. And so Fernando departed on foot. When it finally came, a runner took off to bring him back. By the time he had returned, the plane had left. And Fernando was livid because of the mix-up. He, he went to Jim and launched into an angry tirade, Jim Walton, the missionary. Fortunately, Walton had taped the chief's diatribe and when he later translated it, he discovered that the chief kept saying and repeating the phrase in that language, I don't have one heart. I don't have one heart. 
Jim asked the villagers what having one heart meant, and he thought it was saying there's nothing between you and the other person. That Walton realized was what was needed to translate the word peace. To have peace with God means that there's nothing, no sin, no guilt, no condemnation that separates us. And that peace, of course, is only through uh, Jesus Christ. The peace of God which passeth understanding. Romans, Romans says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, on an individual basis, a good trying to define what this peace is about. When, when I have a one heart, uh, that there's nothing between you and me, and when that's the case, there's peace. Now, because of that, we have to understand this morning that when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, that... Uh, There's nobody else in this world that can bring peace but our giving out the gospel and the Lord bringing peace to people. Now, I want to just kind of uh, further define uh, what this peace is talking about by looking at some words that are associated with it when it is used. Look in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And so uh, we're just talking about words that are associated with peace. And one of the words that are associated with peace is, is holiness. The true peace is going to be associated with holiness. Um, James says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Now look over in um, Isaiah chapter 32. You see, you can't have, you know, what happens, we're talking about peace associated with holiness, what happens is we try to we try to make peace with others by compromise. And when we have spiritual compromise, let me tell you, it's going to, it's going to fall apart. Without holiness, without right, you can't you can't make peace by agreeing to allow wrong to take place and we'll just overlook it. 
eventually it comes back and explodes in your face. And then in Isaiah 32, 17, another word associated with peace, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. A, a powerful, a powerful, uh, a powerful understanding here that with, with, with and it kind of links to holiness, but with peace, there has to be a, there has to be also righteousness. Especially with God, and that's imputed righteousness, but to be at peace with men. And so as peacemakers, we're not there to, you know, we're going to go have a conference, and if you'll give a little bit here, and you'll give a little bit there, then we'll come to a consensus, and we'll agree to uh, disagree on some things, but we're going to overlook that and move on. But when it comes to spiritual side of it, and, and we've already stated that sin is one of the main problems for the absence of peace, that you can't divorce it from being from what's right. Now look, uh, look over in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. You guys seem like a lively crowd this morning. I wish you wouldn't talk so much. And I'm about 100% better than I was on Wednesday night. My voice is kind of messed up, but I have an excuse for that that I won't tell you about. Uh, except that our team lost at the hockey game last night. Ephesians 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he says, there is one body, this is unity, one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And so, <clears throat> unity, peace is with unity, but also, when he talks about the ones there, it's unity in doctrine. You can't have peace within a, within a church. You can't have peace within our lives when you believe differently. Not that, not, you know, uh, there's some minor things in the Bible about... Uh, that we could disagree on that is not life-changing, but there's some things that we can't disagree on, especially the way of salvation. And then we're going to have to understand where it comes from, and we've already alluded to that, the source. The only source is a peace is going to be God himself. And the Bible I'll just read this one to you. For under us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus says in the book of John, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I to you, unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This peace is, is purchased by blood in that it uh, brings peace. Jesus dying for our sins brings peace between us and God. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. And then it's, it's brought about by us trusting in that. Now the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And you'll remember when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, probably the one of the things that we've experienced most is that there was a peace. And I remember being saved and the next week the invitation being given and and I was at peace. Go ahead, you know. I always hoped that they would sing three verses or two verses or one verse. But don't. I mean, I've been in services where they sang all four verses and then started over with verse one again. And I almost melted, you know. I wanted out of there. But after I got saved, there was a peace that they wanted to sing the invitation song until three in the afternoon. I didn't care. But except I might have got hungry. <laughs> okay. Now, the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, it's absolutely our job to be a peacemaker. Look over in in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's begin in 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's wonderful. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so reconciliation means that we're bringing peace. We're reconciled. We're reconciling parties at odds, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing the trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so when you look at that verse, once we're saved and a child of God, we have a job to do, and that job is to bring man and God together. That we can't do it ourselves, but we have the message that Christ Jesus died for your sins. <laughs> if you put your faith and trust in that, then you're not going to be at odds with God anymore. And so we are God's mouthpiece. We, we send ambassadors to a country to represent our country. Well, we are to represent God, and, and we are to bring forth the message, be you reconciled. I beseech you that, that, 
you be reconciled to God in verse 20. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to first have to uh, be reconciled ourselves. Now, um, that involves um, being saved, but also... Um, look over in Philippians. I'm 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 stumbling around here this morning, but <clears throat> one of the well, let's just talk about. I guess what I want to talk about is um, we live in a world where it's false peace and no peace. And we ask the question. Are we, we're, we're supposed to be peacemakers. How are we doing? When, when we're at odds with other people, or we work around other people who are at odds, when we, when we know that people are lost, How are we doing? And so what, what causes us what causes us to be uh, ineffective? What causes us to not be the best peacemakers we can be? Blessed are the peacemakers. What causes failure in my life? Well, one of those things is um, my uh, family, uh, the closest ones I'm around, they see that Man, you're not a very peaceful person. It seems like every morning you get up and you're grumpy. I go to work or in my community or wherever I, you know, go work go work out at the gym or involved in maybe different things that you've Got yourself involved in, maybe at a time I was at the fire hall. And I come in, and at the fire hall, we'd have training on Thursday night, and I come in and I sit down. And What's wrong with you? Oh, leave me alone. And so they leave you alone. And then you say, Hey, can I come by and talk to you about the Lord? And they say, well, Why? Well, you know, you need to have the peace that passeth understanding that keeps your soul. And they'll say, oh, like you have? We're not very effective about bringing peace into people's lives because we're not at peace. Even after being saved. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, be careful... For nothing. That is, don't be anxious. 
Don't be worrying. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And that's not something we just do. Well, if you just pray, then you'll feel better. No, when we're praying, thanking the Lord for what we have, but also realizing that we make a request, realizing that God can change things. That it's not just a, the power is not in just praying. If you just pray more, pray more, and pray more, then you'll have a more peaceful life. No, the power is in praying to the God of, of, of heaven and earth and that he can change me and he can change my circumstances. And so when I pray that way, then look what he says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. The absence of peace is a heart problem. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Not only is it a heart problem, but it's how we think. And look what he says here. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen and me do. So it says, do, do what you know is right. Quit thinking about all the negative things. Do what's right, and the God of peace shall be with you. Peace at the beginning and the peace at the end. And so, I can't be the peacemaker that I need to be because um, I'm not trusting in the Lord. I'm all in turmoil. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And so, even though I'm saved, one of the things that affects me being a good peacemaker, that I have no personal peace. I have a peace with God in relation to my sins. I have no personal peace. I'm trying to sell a product, uh, that's not a good term, but I'm trying to give to people that which I don't even have on a day-by-day -day basis. Secondly, which goes along with this, I don't have peace because of ungodly living. Remember what David talked about? He said, my bones wax old through the roaring. On a day-by-day -day basis, he was just, he was in terrible state. And, and there was no joy in his life. And it wasn't until Nathan came and confronted him and he confessed his sins as given to us in Psalms 32 and Psalms 51. And so... We, as peacemakers, cannot be effective 
when there's sin in my life. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And there's a, 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 a peacefulness that comes into my life. The third reason we can't bring peace, we're not peacemakers, is that we avoid the conflict. Matthew 10:34. says, uh, think that I'm come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Luke says, suppose ye that I've come to give peace on the earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. <clears throat> and the next, uh, the next beatitude that we're going to look at says, blessed are they which are persecuted, Blessed are they when men shall revile you and persecute you. And so, sometimes, well, a lot of times, maybe majority, maybe all the time, peacemaking involves conflict. Because a person who is living in sin cannot be at peace. And so you know what happens? They have to be confronted about their sin. Maybe somebody that is saved and you know that you, they've been a part of your life and you know, you know that between you and them, there's something's happened, attitudes have come, and you know that between you and them, it's just become a place of toleration. We just tolerate each other. And I know with us in the world, uh, sometimes that's the only thing that can happen, is tolerate. But listen, Christians should not tolerate each other. They should love each other. But you know what has to happen? I have, to, I have to be confronted. When I'm wrong, I have to be confronted. And when someone else is wrong, they have to be confronted. When there's a problem, and you know there's a problem... And you may not understand exactly what the problem is, but if you're going to be at peace with each other, a peace which passeth understanding, a right relationship between each other, you know, are we at peace with each other, you know? And that's not saying that they have to walk to your drummer, but it does say that if 
there's no peace and there's a problem, then the problem needs to be addressed. You know, the Bible does say this, as much as possible, live at peace. It's not always possible. It's not always possible. But let's not, let's not, let's not have the problem be on our side. Let's, let's be willing to make peace. But peace with God cannot come without confrontation. William Barclay said, the blessing is on the peacemaker, not necessarily on the peace lovers. It very often happens that a man loves peace in the wrong way. He succeeds in making trouble and not peace. We may, for instance, allow threatening and dangerous situations to develop in our defenses that for peace sake, we do not want to take any action. There are many persons who think that he's loving peace and when, in fact, uh, the action which is, the action which, there's many, there are many persons who think, who thinks that he is loving peace when in fact he's piling up trouble for the future because he refuses to take the situation and to take the actions which the situation demands. The peace which the Bible calls blessed does not come from the overlooking of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing with them, and conquering them. What this demands is not the passive acceptance of things because we're afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but of facing them. I want to show you a verse, and this is where we're going to be going in the next couple of weeks. I want you to show you a verse. I'm probably chasing a rabbit here. Look, at, and I think I've showed you this before. But look in Romans 15 and 14. And Romans 15 and 14 says, Paul writing to the Romans Christians, and it says, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. That word admonish has a number of uses in the Bible. Uh, one of them, one way it's translated is warn. But I want you to see here, he's saying that not just the preacher, but individual members can admonish one another. And, and it has the idea of confrontation. It has the idea, there's a problem. Or it's a problem. I just don't go around and say, you know, it's not one of these sayings that you're admonishing one another. I, go, I got a tape measure in my pocket. And this guy comes in, he's got pretty long hair. And I measure it and say, hey, the Bible says that that uh, your hair shouldn't be that long. 
you know, and we measure the dress and we say, hey, that skirt needs to be longer. And we have our own standard for what's right and wrong. And we all do. But your standard and my standard are um, irrelevant. But God's standard is not irrelevant. And and where there's a problem, the peace is not going to come about unless it's confronted. And Paul used that, Paul talked about how that he, for a year and a half at Corinth, he, he admonished them night and day. But it was an interesting verse there with tears. And so we're talking about this peacemaking, and there has to be a confrontation, but it's a confrontation with tears because I care for you. I want us to be at peace with each other. I want you to be at peace with God. I want you to have the peace with patches of understanding that keeps your heart. I don't want you to your life be like the troubled sea which cast up its mire and dirt. And you so you see uh, there's a blessedness that is available for you and I in bringing peace to a person's life between them and God and a peace between them and others. A peace in their own heart which passeth understanding. I'm thankful for um, people who had the guts to come to me and say, uh, Brother Humphrey, I think you need to rethink this. And it brought about a peace in my life when I did. And I called them the children of God. You see, uh, we want to be Liked. We don't want to lose friends. But a peacemaker cannot avoid the issue. A peacemaker cannot keep silent. A peacemaker cannot tell a person what he wants to hear. But a peacemaker must tell a person what he must hear. And so if we don't want to lose friends and we don't want to be disliked and we don't want to be offended or offend people, well, listen, you're not going to be a peacemaker. And neither are you going to be called the sons of God. When I told you that you know, when the invitation was given, I wanted to get out of there. 
Those people weren't my friends. <laughs> there was no peace between me and, me and them. Or, and there was no peace between me and God. I remember uh, when I grew up, There was a man in, that was the pastor of the Baptist church that my parents went to. And uh, he was a bit overweight. And he was, you know, people in the community thought, you know, he's kind of poking his nose into the business where he shouldn't be poking them. And... Uh, He wasn't liked by everybody. But he was, to me, the one who brought me the message of peace, but how I could have it between God and I. And he... Uh, was the son of God, or he was the child of God, or however that word's at there. Let me go back and look at that. Well, they shall be called the children of God. And the rest of my last page is not here. But um, uh, the point is this. We live in a world where there's lots of anger and lots of disappointment and lots of frustration and lots of discontent. And a lot of people that are uh, Scared. And self-willed. And troubled. And there's only one way that that can be taken away. And that's through the peace of God which passeth knowledge. And that can only take place when a person comes to have peace with God. The Christian counseling centers, the secular counseling centers are filled with people who are, who've got problems. And they're not at rest. And they're troubled. And naturally so. And they're crying out, peace, peace. The Bible says they cry, peace, peace, where, where there is no peace. But if we're saved, Paul said, hey, listen, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
I can go out and talk to somebody about the Lord and I'll be living for Christ. And there's a joy in that and trying to bring other people to him and trying to say, listen, there's an there's a answer. There absolutely is an answer for your problem. But if I go to the door and they're angry because their mom made them eat spinach all their life, and somehow I remind them of spinach and they pull out a gun and shoot me, to die is game. You just got to look it at me. But I think the problem is this. Even with us, we want to think that happiness and peace is from some other source than God. It is not. And even when there's joy and peace in an event or a vacation or a fishing trip or a new addition to your home, and all those are wonderful things. It's not the deep inner joy and peace that God gives. And so he says here, you and I can be extremely happy and working at being peacemakers. All right? How well are we doing? Well, we avoid confrontation, don't we? When I avoid confrontation with Susie, because I don't want to get my ears boxed. When I, enjoy, when I avoid confrontation, let me tell you something. It's coming back. It'll come back. I might, I might have threw it out the window, but it's going to come back in the front door. Or it may come back in the back door. And eventually, we're going to have to deal with it. If we don't, we may live at peace for a while, but it's temporary, and we're not going to be called peacemakers. There's people where you, I got to quit. There's people where you work and where you live and in your family. You know they're not at peace. My son Toby's getting married in June, and he's marrying a lost girl, and he's lost himself, and you know, you get married, everything's going to be great and fine and happy and until, you know, you get up one morning and there's his dirty underwear lying on the floor and he expects his wife to pick it up and, and things aren't peaceful anymore. <laughs> but the point is, unless you get saved, it never will be. Okay? And we have the privilege of doing that. We have the privilege of bringing... Peace with God to people through the preaching of the gospel. All right, I'll quit. I'm just kind of running rabbits here, but I think you got the point. All right? <clears throat>